Well, we are going to continue our series in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Uh, very exciting. I, I absolutely have loved uh, this sermon series. Uh, I love digging into the understanding. Obviously, Hebrews is a great book. Okay, all the books. I, I say that all the time. But Hebrews is a great book uh, for us to really grasp and to understand uh, but even more than that, that we are digging into these uh, biblical and true historical characters of Scripture. And I think that's very important for us to understand and, and come to the maybe the faith of understanding and believing that these stories are true as written, uh, as inspired by the Holy Spirit and written uh, by several different authors. Well, today we're going to go uh, to a, a pretty um, famous, maybe the most iconic character uh, in the Bible other than Jesus, one that's recognized amongst believers, non-believers, uh, people of all the world, uh, the, the man and the family of Noah. And, and it, it, this is uh, a, quite a story uh, to dig into, and I have had a pure pleasure studying this uh, for the last week, week plus. Well, uh, speaking of Noah, do you know why that, uh, why he didn't fish much while on the ark? Because he only had two worms. <laughs> I got more up my sleeve, and, and I have written in here, this, I, this is what I wrote in my notes. I think that Tom Schatzberger will like these. <laughs> okay, I just have a couple more. What kind of lights did Noah install on the ark? Floodlights. Floodlights. Tremendous. All right, one more. Where did Noah keep his bees? In the archives. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, those are classic. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot more. <laughs> We'll cut it. Oh, Bill, you have one. <laughs> this is unorthodox, but I like it. Why was there no card playing on the ark? Something on the deck. What? What's the answer? Noah was sitting on the deck. That's tremendous. <laughs> Apparently, your daughter has heard that joke one too many times. <laughs> She, she walked out and didn't even look. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> July 7th, 2016, the Ark Encounter opened. Uh, and uh, down in Kentucky, Williamstown, Kentucky, uh, at the address of One Ark Encounter Drive. Uh, has anyone been there to the, to the Ark that was uh, built down there? Well, I'd love to take my family there and dig into the history. And, and I, I actually spent way too much time uh, studying about the Ark Encounter. Uh, and if you've ever prepared to speak about anything and you're, you're doing some research and stuff, all of a sudden you'll, you'll take these rabbit trails all over the place. And, and that's what I did for way too long in the Ark Encounter. But I'm really excited sometime uh, to take my family there. Uh, but... The, the story of Noah is, is known by so many people. 
it is truly just uh, just one of those stories that so many people know and and, and they see the, the the rainbow and they see the the animals and and that's the picture that we kind of get that sunday school look and the the author of hebrews he is when he's digging into this remember his audience is a jewish audience it's called hebrews and, and he is assuming there is a lot of presumption that they know all of these people 16 17 people whatever it is uh in this chapter 11 that we've identified as chapter 11 they understand the backstory and, and so there's a lot of assumption going on and we get one verse that summarizes multiple chapters in the book of genesis and, and it's, again there's an assumption that people know it um, but the crucial part here and this is what the the author of hebrews is doing remember we don't know the author officially but this is what the author is doing he wants us to remember that the common theme here it's about faith remember hebrews 11 1 faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen he's also trying to help them to understand that it's not okay it is faith but it's not just that it's also endurance it's also endurance remember hebrews 10 36 for you have need of endurance so that you what so that when you have done the will of god you may receive what is promised well the history of noah has morphed into i calculated another rabbit trail i calculated over 32 other myths flood myths around the world through the centuries and I, I didn't want to go into great detail about those but it, but it's just interesting uh, to know that all these stories are out there but what we're going to do is we're going to try to unpack the historical true story of the flood what one of the uh, probably i would say the second most um I was going to use the word catastrophic, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Second most uh, amazing thing ever to happen with Earth. The first one was the creation. But the second one is the flood. Absolutely um, amazing what God did in this. Now, remember, Genesis is written by Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's just it's an actual historical story uh, written uh, it, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to start in the book of Hebrews, okay, because that's where we're at. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. If you're not there, you're welcome to go there. Uh, we have Bibles in front of you if you don't have a Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Here's what it says. By faith, Noah being warned by god concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith let's go to the lord see if he can uh, help us learn today heavenly father lord we ask uh, for your guidance and your support uh, as we together uh, tried to be uh, um, 
learners, that we try to grow in our, our uh, walk with you and our maturity in understanding who you are, that our faith is strengthened uh, so we could have endurance. May you be honored. May you be the leader uh, even in this discussion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's break up this verse. We're going to still stay in Hebrews 11, 7 right now. Let's break it up just little chunks. It starts off, by faith Noah being warned by God. How was he warned? That's the question. Was, did, did God talk to him? Did God put a message in the sky? Um, again, the author of Hebrews, he's, he's got some presumptions. He, he's he's uh, allowing the readers, the audience, to uh, um, know the backstory, and he's, and he's hoping that they do so they can put it all together. And so some of you probably know the story pretty well as well. Uh, but we're going to still try to unpack that a little bit further. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, concerning events as yet unseen. What, is that, what does this mean? Yet unseen. Things that are unseen. He, the author is going back to the beginning of uh, what we, again, identify as chapter 11, uh, where he talks about the unseen. Beautifully intertwined here, talking about Noah. And we'll, we'll definitely be going through that. Very similar language. Continued, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. What do we know about the ark? What do we know about his household? Why Noah? Why his household? That's, a, that's maybe the most important thing in, in here. Understanding that. Saving of his household is a... Is a, is a crucial little statement in this verse that I, I have skipped over way too often. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Why was Noah condemning the world? And what does it mean that he became an heir of righteousness? All of these things, all these questions is what we're going to try to answer somehow in three answers. We're going to try to do it in three answers. As you see, there's only three points. Um, we're going to try to learn and, and, and understand them. And, and I was thinking, uh, as I was reading uh, Hebrews 11 again, and, and oftentimes I go back to Hebrews 10 and start there and, and work my way back up to the verse that we're at, I, I was thinking, I wonder if uh, when this letter went out, if uh, they made copies of it somehow. You know, the printing press wasn't, wasn't invented at that point. Was that Gutenberg? Uh, I think I talked about that in the Reformation. Uh, so, so I wonder if they made copies, if they did some, some type of copies. And then Dad sat around. He got the chair that he probably made, and, and then he sat around, and all the kids sat around. And then he started going list by list. Maybe he started off at Adam and Eve and told about the creation. And then he talked about Abel and how Abel was this great guy. And then about the evil Cain. And, and the kids are like, ooh, ooh. And then he get, got to Enoch, and he's like, oh. And Enoch, he loved God, and, and he walked right into heaven. And the kids are like, yay. And then he got to Noah. And they're all excited. He's talking about the animals walking to the, to the ark. And, 
and they're coming in and and then he talks about the the rainbow and oh they're they're all excited but i wonder if dad explained about the destruction i wonder if dad talked about the death the screaming the people who were the mockers. I wonder if he talked about the absolute commitment that was needed. The unwavering faith, not only that Noah had, but that the family had too. I wonder if he discussed that. Well, our verse, chapter 11, verse 7, takes us all the way back, and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, it's the first book of the Bible, Genesis. But we're going to start in chapter 5. You know, and I think that Sunday morning is a great day for us as believers to be absolutely uh, excited about the Lord, to be excited uh, about our faith, our walk with the Lord. But it's also a tremendous place, and, and this is kind of something that you get, especially when, with narratives. It's really the whole book of Acts that we've been going through because it's so much of a narrative-type uh, study, even though we're going expository one verse at a time. And now we jump into Hebrews. Again, a narrative. We're jumping into the different characters. Sunday morning's a great place for us to get totally excited about our faith and about our walk with the Lord, but it's also a place that we can learn. It's also a place where we truly, as students of the word can learn more about God. And I've told, said this numerous times, the more you know about scripture, especially when you have absolute faith in scripture, the more you understand how it's all working together, the more faith you actually have because you understand the bigger picture. We'll never understand the whole picture, but it, it helps us to understand the bigger picture. Uh, Genesis chapter 5, that's a, that's a genealogy uh, talking about Adam uh, all the way to Noah. And I spent time on a spreadsheet calculating the exact ages when everyone was born and when they died. And uh, it was super fun. Again, rabbit trail. But I loved it because it helped me to understand uh, how these generations went. You know, Noah was the 10th generation. And, and, and so Adam was right there almost when noah was born he died just previous to that and so it's those are the types of things it's super interesting to see we don't know if if how adam's inter interconnecting with noah's dad and and noah's grandpa uh, went but uh um it, it's pretty awesome to start thinking about they didn't spread out a lot at that point there wasn't a lot of uh movement east or west north or south they kind of were congregating in smaller areas. Some went a little bit farther away, but uh, they were kind of in a general area. The time of Noah, there, there was estimated between, uh, I, I've heard, what did I hear, numbers of uh, between 8 million and 100 million people because of the multiplication. People were living pretty old. They had a lot of sons and daughters, as we'll read here in chapter 5. Let's start with verse 21. Chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch 
we just talked about him, had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. See, there's the sons and daughters. They just keep adding. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And you know Enoch didn't die. He walked right into eternity. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. <clears throat> Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. And we know that, uh, historically speaking, Methuselah is the oldest man uh, to ever live. When Lamech had lived 182 years, finally we're getting to it, Lamech is, is Noah's daddy, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Very cool. Very cool history. Uh, again, we, we, we enjoy things like this because it starts tying things together. And I'll inter interwove it into, our, into the message today. But it's very similar to uh, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. We see the genealogy of Jesus. And, and it helps us for an understanding of different things, of, of why certain things appear to happen that we don't think are, are legit or, or normal, but God has a perfect plan. He has a perfect design for everything. So let's continue on. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to go all the way to verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Let's stop there real quick. Was he sinless? No. What is it? Chapter 9, we see that he gets drunk and naked and, and all kinds of random stuff. Noah was, was a sinner when he was born. Lamech and, and, and his wife, who's unnamed, they were sinners. And when they conceived a son, Noah, Noah was a sinner. But in the eyes of God, he was blameless and he was righteous because of one thing, God's grace. Receiving grace from God. That, that, that word from is crucial because it is from God. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. You know, that would be a good thing to put on your tombstone. Phil walked with God. That would be a great statement to have on there. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Here's a crucial, if, you, if you're an underliner, this is a good underline. And God said to Noah, and God said to Noah, here's what God said. I have determined 
to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it with the cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which it is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. We're going to pause here real quick. Go back to that line right there. Let's read that again. But I will establish a covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark. He says you, so Noah, right, to come in the ark? Then what does he say? Your sons. Normally when I'm talking about my family, I'm going to say uh, me and my wife and so on and so forth. But he names the sons first, and I think we don't, we don't, we don't even know Noah's wife, first of all. We, we, we can start um, deducing based on some other things, but it, it becomes way too cryptic. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying too hard to decipher, uh, so I, we can't get it accurately probably. But this point, to say the, say the children first, is absolutely crucial. Because the rescue of Noah and his family wasn't only for the salvation of Noah, but it was for saving of Shem. It's for the saving of, of Shem. Now, Shem's listed first in, in the children, but he's not the oldest. Japheth is the oldest. Normally you list the oldest, but Shem is the most important one in that part. Why? Because he was on the line of Jesus. I mean, this, this is just amazing stuff. Remember in Joseph, uh, the, we, we did the whole thing on Joseph? Joseph went, he was uh, sold into slavery, he, he then spent... Uh, 14, 15 years in slavery, blah, blah, blah. And, and so he could eventually get to the second in charge of Egypt so then he could, he could save his own family from the drought that was going to kill everyone. Why? Because of Judah, the fourth child. Because Jesus was of the line of Judah. I mean, this is amazing stuff to understand because when you start putting all this together, you understand it, it, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you look at the line of Adam all the way down, uh, uh, goes from Seth and all the way down to Noah and then to Shem. This is crucial stuff because it's going to go all the way down to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's all about Jesus. It's all a perfect plan from God. Amen? That's, oh, I love this because of that. Because of the beautiful picture that God paints in the midst of, of such horror. Even at, at the beginning, I don't know if this is in my thoughts or in my notes, but I'm going to go with it. Even at the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned and, and God killed the animal, 
slayed the lamb and clothed them with it, he said, I've got a way out for you. I've got a way out for you. And he's going to bruise the head. He had a plan before sin ever came in because he knew the nature of human people. He knew us. He knows us way better than we know ourselves. Let's continue. And every living thing of flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds and the animals according to their kinds of the creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall, I wonder if they had moon pies, Pastor Dave. I mean, that would be great. Okay, also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Friends, when we have faith in the Almighty God, this is the first point, we will heed the word of God. Heed the word of God. This is the fourth sermon in this series. This is the third one that I preached. In the first two that I preached, I said centered on the word of God. And now I'm saying heed the word of God. The word of God is absolutely crucial, friends. It, it, it's, it's crucial today. It's crucial yesterday. It's crucial forever. The question is, do you heed the word of God? As you're praying, are you listening to the sweet whisper of the Holy Spirit speak to you? As you open up the scriptures, are you listening to God's word and, and asking it to transform you, to, to actually pierce your heart? We have an unbelievable historical example today in Noah and his family and how they heeded the word of the Lord. So God makes a, a, a lengthy proclamation. He makes a lengthy proclamation, and the scripture tells us in the last verse that we just read, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah did this. We're going we're gonna to uncover some of those things that were just uh, absolutely amazing that he did. Why? Why would he do these things? But he did them. He heeded the word of God. In fact, in chapter 7, Noah heeds the word of God once again. Let's read that together. Genesis chapter 7. We'll start with the first verse. Lots of scripture today, friends. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And then what's it say? And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. He heeded the word of God. 
It had never rained before. That we, that we can understand in Scripture. He didn't know what rain was. The next verse tells us that, that Noah is 600 years old. And his kids, each of his three kids, are almost 100 years old. But in all their lives, they had never seen it rain. Here's an interesting sidebar. We don't know the exact year that God spoke to Noah. We don't, we don't know that. Here's, here's the information we do know. God told Noah that he and his wife, along with their three sons and their wives, should enter the ark together. We, we learn that Noah has children at a little bit later age than his previous generations. 500. 500 years old. He has Japheth. Again, I can go into great detail about uh, how I got their birth, birth orders and stuff like that. Some of you probably already understand it from cross-referencing other scripture. I, if you want, we can go over that at some point. And we know from chapter 5 that Noah's dad, at this point, would have been 684 years old. And, and his grandpa, uh, he, uh, his great-grandpa, excuse me, was just hitting his stride at the ripe young age of 871, Methuselah. Noah's great-great-grandfather, Jared, he just missed seeing Japheth by 136 years, which in their time, that's, that's just missing it. But we just don't know the exact year that God spoke to Noah and told him to start building the ark. We don't know that for sure. Because remember, God, God said, uh, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives, but they weren't born in, in when he was 500 years old. Now, he could have. He told Abraham, I will make you the father of uh, many nations, or your, your children will be, your descendants will be as many as the stars, and he didn't have any yet. So he could, he could God could do, obviously, anything he wants. He knows the history already before it's ever even happened. I wonder, I wonder if uh, Lamech, Noah's dad, I wonder what he said to him when Noah came to him and was like, Dad, you've got to hear this, what God told me. You guys have gone to your dad's probably before. My dad, many times when he was alive, thought I lost it. The things that, I, I remember when I, I went from being a public school principal to a Christian school principal and what was it, 30%, 40% pay cut. My dad thought I lost it. You know, the advice you get from dad sometimes varies. You don't know, depending on the season going on. I wonder what Lamech said to, said to his son Noah. How about Methuselah? What, was he around? Were they able to talk, get advice? Did he get encouragement? There's probably a lot of family members around at some point or some fashion. But when I think about it, every living family member that Noah had, except for his immediate family, including his son's children, died. And Noah and all of his family had knowledge of that. 
That would be hard. That would be hard. His dad died about five years before the flood happened. And his grandpa, Grandpa Methuselah, he lived up until the year the flood came. And, and I think I agree with, uh, with the scholars. I'm not a scholar. But after reading it and studying it quite a bit, uh, my assumption is Methuselah died before the flood. We don't know exactly because there's not a date on it. But um, Scripture says uh, no one was left righteous. And we don't know Methuselah, his righteousness, but we see from the line from Adam to Seth, all the way down, Jared and uh, obviously Enoch, that, that lots of times the righteousness, the faith, the love of God is passed on to generation to generation, and sometimes the opposite is true as well. Evil is passed on. Some suggest that the reason that Noah and his family went into the ark seven days before uh, was a mourning process for Grandpa Methuselah, for great-grandpa Methuselah. And that's an interesting thought, that they, they went in there, Grandpa died, and they went in there to mourn, and God closed the door, and, and, uh, um, and they mourned the loss, and then they were about to prepare for much greater loss of humans on the earth. Bottom line, they knew that their son, Lamech and, and Methuselah, they knew that their son was heeding the word of God. And as a dad, it's the most special thing in the world. When you see your, your child heeding the word of God. If you're a parent, you understand that so much more. In fact, I love when my children heed my word. I, I, I think that's honoring and, and, and respectful, and I think that's a super good thing. Because when they're not heeding your word, you know that's kind of going to translate into them not heeding the word of God. Because it, it, it's, a, it's a system set up very similar to our service to the Lord. But when my children heed the word of God and I get to actually witness that, I want to rejoice. I want to cry because it's an awesome, awesome moment. When we go back to Hebrews, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. What was unseen? The rain. He had never seen it, but he trusted in what God was saying. The need of a large vessel to carry animals and his family. Are you kidding me? We, we don't know that what, what Noah was doing prior to uh, this conversation with God. We don't know what his occupation was. Maybe he was a preacher. Maybe he was a builder, a craftsman. Maybe who, We don't know. We know after the flood, uh, nine, chapter 9, maybe verse 20, it said, He began to be a man of the soil 
and he planted a vineyard. We do know that. So he was a farmer in that case. We don't know what he was necessarily before. Nonetheless, nonetheless, a task like the one that God had given him, it had never been done. And it couldn't be done without God's design. And through the action of Noah and through the confirmation of Scripture, we can know that Noah had, I love this, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He had that. It was built into him. A second thing, a second thing when we have faith in the Almighty God is that we will preach the judgment of God. That's the second point. Preach the judgment of God. We'll heed the word of God and we will preach the judgment of God. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, If he did not spare the ancient world but preserve Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah was a preacher. He was a messenger bringing forth some major news. And in fact, Noah probably did this for decades, decades and decades. He might have done it prior to the flood. We definitely could assume he told the story of the redemption after the flood, after he had landed, uh, after the water had receded. Noah was a preacher of God's judgment. Let's look at the ark real quick for a minute. Let's, let's change gears just slightly, still staying within this point. We learned earlier about what the ark looked like or what its sizes, its dimensions. You can draw some of the pictures, kids, of, of the ark if you want. That would be great. I'd love to see those. Uh, God told Noah to build the ark with the dimensions of 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Cubit is an ancient measurement. Uh, they say the length uh, from the elbow to the longest finger is, is how it says. And, and, and uh, scholars would say it's somewhere between 17 and 22 inches from what, what I could study. <coughs> the ancient Egyptian cubit is known to have been 21.888 inches, to be precise. So, in doing the math, the ark would have been 550 feet long, 91.7 feet wide, and 55 feet high. And this isn't the type of boat that you, you and I sometimes think about. Because it was, it was more like a box. It was more like a, a container designed for uh, stability and designed by the master designer, God. Ships this size would not be built until the 1800s with steel. It's pretty amazing to think about. This was a massive undertaking. And, and, and the question always comes about, how in the world did Noah and his sons build the ark? If you, if you ever get a chance, look at the ark encounter. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in Williamstown, Kentucky. They have a... Uh, a camera that was there while the ark was being built. 
and they do a time-lapse thing. And the amount of equipment that it took, now obviously they have electricity and that type of stuff that they're intertwining inside of it. They have a, a, a thousand seat restaurant inside of it uh, and that type of stuff. But uh, uh, it's interesting uh, to think about what God was telling and asking and commanding Noah to do. Incidentally, the word ark in Hebrew is teba. Now, you guys have heard me preach for three years, and I have never quoted Hebrew, I don't think. I was going to look to see if I've ever done that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know Hebrew at all, but uh, it, it, it's pretty interesting to understand. This word means a chest, a place of refuge. And the only other time uh, Tabah is used in, in, in Scripture in the Old Testament is Moses' basket. Is that interesting? The only other time here, not, not Ark, uh, that the Ark of the Covenant. That's, that's a different word. But the only two times uh, Tabah are used is when God uses it here to save mankind, in and, and then in preparation for the exodus, God uses Tabah to save Israel. Both are means to protect what? The lineage of Jesus Christ. The lineage of Jesus Christ. This was a massive undertaking that God had given him. And nowhere in Scripture, I, I looked everywhere, I studied everywhere, I tried to figure it out, nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that Noah and his sons were the only people building this ark. At all. It doesn't tell us that. That's often what I have thought of. If you've seen Evan Almighty, that, that, that funny movie, it, there's a lot of great stuff. If you ever watch a movie like that with Tim Bedall, uh, you will be blessed because he'll be pausing and we'll be talking about stuff in it. But him and his family, along with the help of, uh, of elephants and that type of stuff, they, they build the ark uh, in that movie. Well, nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that Noah and his sons and his and the son's wives and, and his wife were building the ark. Noah undoubtedly hired tons of men to do this. He, he may have hired painters to do, to do the inside pit, the, the, the stuff that they had to uh, wipe on the wall. Uh, who knows what they, how many people were hired on this job and for how long. It could have been uh, truly their just normal job. I always think about where did he get the money or, or how did he pay him or, or was there a bartering situation? Did God provide that? But what does a guy like Noah do during a time like this? He talks to the workers. What, what, what are we building, by the way? We're building a boat, an ark, a teba. Man, I'm good at Hebrew. We're, we're building a refuge, a place of salvation, a place that we are going to be uh, get away from the flood. And, and, and the amount of times he talked about God, I could just only guess, this is all speculation, to these people, uh, had, had to be, uh, we, we probably couldn't even count them. He was using the time to preach the judgment of God. He had a captivated audience. In fact, think about it. They're building the vessel 
that's going to save Noah and his family, but not themselves. Did they disregard the message? Did they just not care? Did they think he was a, a jokester? You know, you, you don't need a vessel like that where he was at. He wasn't by the water. The vessel was massive. It was out of control. And they probably thought he was a freak. But they didn't care. They had a job. You know, sometimes we probably have that at churches. People work at a church or build a church or, or serve inside of a church. And they probably think, what in the world are these fruitcakes doing? Why would they not sleep in on Sunday? Why would they, why would they spend their time serving others? Why would they read a book that makes no sense and that is so old that is not relevant? And all the things they're mocking, all the things they're saying are the thing that would save them for eternity. People were deaf to the message. You think about it. Noah, in all of his time, had how many converts outside of his family? Zero that we know of. Zero. Nobody else came on the boat. I was thinking about it. Did God already know that? That there was going to be zero? Because he, he, he commanded who was going on the boat, and he didn't add any extras. Zero. That's hard to spend all that time preaching, serving, building, being a man of faith, continuing forward. Did God continue to talk to him and, and lift him up during the time and, and encourage him? Or was it just pure endurance in his faith? You see, sometimes God speaks to us pretty clearly, and other times we feel like we are by ourselves. We know because we're good students of Scripture. We know that God is with us. We know the Holy Spirit dwells within us if we're believers in Christ, and that we are not absent uh, from, the God's, from God's thoughts. But sometimes we feel like we're on our own. Our faith in Almighty God should cause us to become ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As people of faith, people who put their trust in the conviction of things not seen, we need to heed the word of God. And without a question, we need to preach the judgment of God. Lastly, when you and I have faith in Almighty God, we will receive righteousness from God. From God. We're going to finish today by reading some more scripture. Genesis chapter 7, we'll start with verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were open, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. 
they and every beast according to its kind and the livestock according to their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind every winged creature they went into the ark with noah two and two of all flesh in which there was breath of life and those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as god had commanded them and this is a great great little section at the last end of it and the lord shut him in the lord shut him in remember at the end he will open the door noah will but the lord shut him in sealed the door we'll continue the flood continued 40 days on the earth the waters increased and bore up the ark and it rose high above the earth the waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the face of the waters perfectly balanced beautiful design by god and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered the waters prevailed above the mountains covering them 15 cubits deep and all flesh died that moved on the earth birds livestock beasts all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all mankind everything on the dry land and those nostrils was the breath of life died he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens they were blotted out from the earth only noah was left and those who were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days they were in the ark for 370 days from start to finish that we can calculate 370 days they spent in that vessel verse 7 of hebrews once again says by faith noah being warned by god concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith noah did not become an heir of righteousness because he built an ark noah did not become an heir of righteousness because he he created an altar after the waters receded and, and he sacrificed uh, some of those animals that were in sevens noah became an heir of righteousness because of god's grace because of god's grace period i probably should have just said that line and and then prayed and we we could be done god's grace is how any of us receive righteousness that's the whole point here if you have received righteousness from god think of this if you've received righteousness from god from god when god looks at you he sees his son jesus so crucial to understand when he looked at noah he didn't see noah he saw jesus christ that's the righteousness of god when he gives us that righteousness because it's from him and and of all places i'm going to go to philippians to sum up my sermon I told you lots of scripture today but it's crucial to understand all of this in as it's putting together because friends that's why i tell it receiving grace from god 
Noah received grace from God. Noah's family received grace from God. I could talk all about Shem and, and, and Japheth and, and, and Ham and, and Canaan, the son of Ham. I could talk all about all those details. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We'll start with verse 7. This is Paul talking. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Think of Noah at this moment. The amount of suffering, the amount of loss that he and his family had endured right there. The family, the friends, the people that they knew. When you, when you have coworkers, at least for me, I start really appreciating them and loving them and caring about them and wanting to know about their family, what's going on. If all these people were working on the, the ark the whole time, and now they're all gone, dead. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. And this is something, this is something that we cannot gain on our own. This isn't ours to gain. This is something that's a gift. That so, uh, Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain resurrection from the dead. Continue on. Not that I already obtained this or I'm already perfect. You're not perfect. Noah wasn't perfect. But I press on. Here's the endurance part. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's the unseen. It's the things that we have eternity in view. We have our past understanding Jesus Christ and what he did for us. That's where the righteousness comes from. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Last section. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame with mindset on earthly things. How is that not like Noah's time? How is that not like our time? We set our minds on the things of the earth as opposed to setting on, on things that are heavenly. 
on the perfection of Jesus Christ. But we rest so much and we worry so much about the things that are around us and about money and about uh, the events that are happening that we forget to set our hearts on the things that are eternal. Our citizenship, where is it at? Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the unseen, it's, it's, it's the thing that's coming who will transform our lowly body to be like glorious, like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. When we have faith in Almighty God, we will heed the word of God, we will preach the judgment of God, and we will receive righteousness from God.